sweat. <laughs> you mean armpit tears of weakness brought about by poor deodorant choices? Say goodbye to that salty river that floweth from your underarm with Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Made for 24-7 sweat protection with daily use and an undeniable smell of cedarwood and lime. Mmm. Giving you the confidence you need to quit your job, move to a remote island, and spend your days frolicking with dolphins. Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Shop Old Spice now. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, this is Greeny with you, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. We still don't have the answer. Cam, how many calls have we screened so far? We've got to be over 500. We've got three people in here constantly refreshing. And I can't tell you how many people think the Yankees only have 26 championships and not 27. The Yankees have 27 championships, A, and B, we would never make a number that because that is guaranteed to change. Uh, While some of these do involve records that could ultimately change, uh, we would never have made it that. So here's what I think I'm unilaterally going to do. Because what the hell? I wrote the book anyway. So I'm going to tell you who the answer is, and then I'm going to throw out another number and let people guess. And it's another number. This one people will get much more quickly. Okay? So are you guys comfortable with that? Because no one got the answer right. We don't have a choice, but yes. Here's what I can tell you. The number 26 in sports, that the ownership of it, and again, this is the theme of our book, Got Your Number, this is by far the oldest one. This one dates back to the year 490 BC. The long-distance race known as a marathon was inspired by the legend of an ancient Greek messenger who raced from the site of Marathon to Athens with news of an important military victory in the year 490 BC. By the way, after making his announcement, the exhausted messenger collapsed and died. Two and a half millennia have passed since. That race, the marathon, has become an integral piece of the fabric of human athletics. And in that time, no one has ever run it better than Iliud Kipchoge. He is the man who broke the two-hour mark. He's 5'6", 115-pound legend from Kenya. Before you say, no one knows who he is, well, don't think that so quickly. On October 12th of 2019, when he broke that record, there were 500 million people watching around the world as Kipchoge redefined what the human body is capable of. His book is called No Human is Limited. He is an inspiring, incredible story, and he is the greatest marathon runner that ever lived. He 100% owns the number 26, and you can read all about him and why in our book, Got Your Number. So that one, I, I, I grant you, <clears throat> a little off the beaten path. Hold on, hold on, Greeny. First of all, how are you doing? Uh, that's great. Th- that's Nuno. Uh, how, how's, how's things going? That's we great. had to call yeah, him right. in to help on the well, phones like, here. Yeah, exactly, because we answered a lot of calls, right? And I'm embarrassed that people say 26 for the Yankees. It's 27. But this gentleman owns the number 26.2. Not 26. 26.2. So I think it's so unfair and so, like, just dirty. He owns 26.2. The marathon... Everyone in the world knows as a 26-mile race. It has varied, actually, over the history of it. 
uh, as to exactly how long it was, but it has always been right around 26 miles. And that has been the case because that was the distance from Marathon to Athens. And in honor of that poor messenger who collapsed and died after giving his message, I think we should be showing him the respect that he is due. Bubba feels like he almost just collapsed and died after those calls. All right, I'm going to give you one that's going to be a lot more obvious. This also is not a jersey number. Oh, God. But I think it's going to be a lot easier for people. The number 36... The number 30... Now, now, I don't think Bubba knows the answer to this, so someone, just text him the answer. Okay, yep, waiting for Hembo here. 888-SAY-ESPN is the number. Who do you think owes the number 36? This one is also not a Jersey number. It is, however, an American and Got among the, the most famous and important athletes in the history of the United States. If we don't get this... Almost immediately, I'm going to be disgusted. So take uh, Bubba off the screen, start answering the calls, and let's see how quickly someone gets this. Who owns the number 36 in the history of sports? Again, all of this is from my book, Got Your Number, where all the research was done by Hembo and all the writing was done by me, and you can pre-order it right now. If this is the kind of sports history and debate and things like that that you find interesting, you can pre-order right now anywhere that you get your books. In the meantime... As we await a winner, and I was not anticipating this taking this long, um, but what can you do? Uh, as we await the winner of the first ever autographed book by the two of us. It'll actually be the first book the two of us sign, um, and we will send it out to the winner today. I will mention again that the headlines from the NFL today, still waiting on Aaron Rodgers. It appears Aaron, um, that um, Alan Lazard it, it might be headed to the Jets. Shefty reporting that Lazard is uh, talking to the Jets and one other team about the possibility of a deal. Taylor Heineke signs a deal to go down or agrees to a deal to go down to Atlanta. I don't assume that means they're done. Like They have Desmond Ritter and they have Taylor Heineke. And so they have two quarterbacks, and yet I don't – can anyone look at that situation and say, okay, yeah, the Falcons are done at quarterback? Probably not. At least that's not what a rational thought might be. But they were one of the first teams that came out and said, we don't want Lamar Jackson. So they're going the route that we're going to pay little to nothing for our quarterbacks, stack the roster, and hope that works. It's just a very curious strategy. It's very counterintuitive to most teams that have had success in the NFL. But the Ritter-Heineke combo, I assume – is what they're going to go with unless they have a chance to strike gold somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, the gold would be Lamar Jackson. So they did come out and immediately, well, they didn't come out and say anything. They they, they told reporters, in, in this case, our Diana Russini, or as Mad Dog Russo called her the following day, Diane Ruccini, um, they, they told her that they're not going to pursue Lamar. The Lamar thing is going to take a bunch of twists and turns. By the way, we have an answer. I'll, I'll put the winner on in a second. Um, so you can stop calling is what I'm trying to say. And we will do this every day. So you're going to have a chance to win every single day. Um, but please, if this book interests you, please order it now. Um, it is called Got Your Number, and that would be the best thing you can do for us. In the meantime, um, I think the Lamar Jackson thing is going to take a variety of twists and turns. I have to believe that at some point, if indeed what he is doing is just basically saying it's 231 guaranteed or nothing – that he will either have to soften or at least evolve that stance. And what I mean by evolving the stance is be open to a creative contract, which is to say you can guarantee someone $231 million in an eight-year deal. 
and spread it out in different ways. And then it won't be fully guaranteed, so an NFL team will not feel like they're setting a precedent, and at the same time, Lamar will be able to say, I got $1 more than Deshaun Watson did. Do you think that would be a solution? For him, maybe, but probably not for the team. Teams are very averse to giving quarterbacks long contracts. Patrick Mahomes is 10 years, but that's the exception. That's the outlier. He's the only current quarterback contract that's longer than even six years. I think the reason Lamar Jackson is likely to take as long as you're saying it is, and I agree, is he does not have an agent, meaning the first time that he can actually even talk to people himself is tomorrow. So he's going to aggregate information that his agent presumably would have already done. That, I think, is as big a reason as any why it's going to take so long. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that he's Look, I admire what he's doing. He's got guts. He's trying to do something. He is taking the road less traveled. Right, The easy thing to do is have an agent let someone take care of all this business for you. He's not doing that. The easy thing to do is just take a huge contract when it's offered to you. He's not doing that. The easy thing is not try and be the one who sort of resets a precedent in, in the National Football League. He's doing that. So I respect him for it. I just am not 100% sure that I think it's going to ultimately work out the way he wants. Are you still overpaying for a razor in this economy? Gross. With Dollar Shave Club, you can get a top-shelf shave at a regular shelf price. Dollar Shave Club is available at a store near you in the men's razor aisle. That's it. That's the ad. Cam, who is our winner? I am not kidding. His name is Lamar. Okay. Uh, Lamar, where are you calling from, my friend? Orlando, Florida. Okay, love it. Lamar in Orlando, Florida. I hope that Bubba has gotten your address as we'll be sending you an autographed copy of our book, Got Your Number. Who owns the number 36 in sports history? Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens is correct. Jesse Owens, who who is one of the the most important athletes in American history by far. Um, And this was one of my favorite chapters to write. I think everyone is aware that he had a brilliant 36 Olympics and, and that and that, that he did so, I mean, not, not figuratively, but literally in front of Adolf Hitler. We have quotes in here from Jesse Owens talking about watching Hitler march into the building when he was getting set to run and the stormtroopers that were in the building at the time holding up their, their um, you know, the Nazi salute as he was running. Um, so, but those are things I think that are widely well known that, that, that Jesse Owens was that person. And that is what forever makes him a legend and one of the most important athletes of all time. What I don't know is as well known. I will confess. I didn't know it until you sent me the research is just how great a track and field star he was. That's a man who set records that still last that, that exist to this day. He was by far at his time the greatest track and field athlete that had ever lived. And um, that part of it was fascinating to learn about. Absolutely a delight to write about and hopefully something that you will enjoy reading as well. So that's today's uh, contest. Again, we will do this every single day as we lead up to the release of the book. And I will just once more mention you can pre-order the book right now anywhere that you order your books. It is called Got Your Number. The name of the title, the name of the author is me. Coming up next, who's the real MVP? We'll answer that after this on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride 
ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Demon Time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePicks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com Greenberg, code Greenberg, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. March, of course, is a huge month for basketball. It takes top talent to help these incredible teams get to this level. If you're hiring, you can find top talent with ZipRecruiter. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. By the way, do not, under any circumstances, fill out your bracket until you hear Hembo's bracket tips. They are the stuff of legend. He worked very hard on these, and they're coming up a little bit later in this hour. Meanwhile, I love the hashtag crew. I love having surrounded myself with Hembo, Bubba, and Cam, and in a previous incarnation, Nuno. But if there's one thing the three of you lack, Bubba, it is that none of you is really a golfer, to my knowledge. And you know, I love golf. And so a golf question has come up. While we were in that break, I was scrolling through some things that are on Twitter, And I came across a fascinating golf question, but I'm not sure any of you are the right ones to ask it to. So J.J. Watt has ignited this debate that I think every golfer listening will be fascinated to chime in on. I'm not sure any of the three of you will be as intrigued by it. J.J. Watt made a hole-in-one. I've been playing golf for 30 years. I've never made a hole-in-one. I've come very close. I was in a group where a hole-in-one was made once. My buddy Keith Kaplan, we went to the ground hugging. We were hugging so much that we literally went to the ground in excitement. Making a hole-in-one would be unquestioned. If you ask me what are the things I want to make sure I do before I die, bucket list. Obviously, this isn't something you can plan. But standing on every par three of my life, there's nothing I wouldn't give practically to make a hole-in-one. J.J. Watt made a hole-in-one. He made it on a par three course. So one of the great things about golf these days in an effort to try and gain more participation is they've opened a lot more of these par three courses from what I can tell. And they are just a bunch of par threes. They are exactly what they sound like for those who don't 
um, have never been to one, and you can get around one in almost no time. I mean, you can, as, whereas a, a true round of golf, a traditional round of golf, can take anywhere from three if you play quickly to five if it is disastrously slow hours to play. You can play a, a, a par three in 90 minutes, and it's a real nice way to get out and just hit some shots. But the question is, does a hole-in-one count if it is made on a par three course? There are two great hole-in-one questions. One of them is that. The other one is, if you hit your, your first shot on a par three and it goes out of bounds, then if you're playing by the rules of golf, you're supposed to hit your second shot from there again. You just hit it again. And if that one goes, goes in, some people will try and argue to count as a hole-in-one, it's the same shot. The truth is, on your scorecard, it's not a one And I do not think you can go around telling the world that you made a one. To me, that's not a hole-in-one. The question is, on a par three, is it a hole-in-one? Bubba, you're not a golfer, but you're a learned man. What do you say? No. That's not a hole-in-one. On a par three course, it doesn't count. No. I would say no. I'm, I'm trying to find on the post here, and I can't, the information on the length of the hole. Like, I'm trying to see... That if, if there are any details on the hole that he played and I don't, or that, he, that he aced and I don't see it. He just shared video of him plucking his golf ball out of the hole for his first ever hole-in-one. There was one small catch. It came on a par three course. Watt was well aware of the conditions of his ace would draw heavy scrutiny, adding, does a hole-in-one on a par three course count? Uh, I'm reading this from Golf Digest's Twitter feed. So let's just go around quickly, the hashtag crew. Bubba says, no, it's not an ace. How about you, Cam? Is that a hole-in-one or not? Uh, yeah, he made it in one shot. He can go around telling the world he made a hole-in-one. Yeah, can it be slightly less impressive? He still made one, but it's just slightly less impressive? Mm, or am I A hole-in-one is a hole-in-one. A yeah. hole-in-one is a hole When someone asks you, do you play golf? Yes, I do. Have you ever made a hole-in-one? Is his answer yes or no? His is going to be yes. I, I say yes, he made a hole-in-one. Would you call him on it? Like, if you were buddies with him... I would him, not call J.J. Watt on anything. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but if he's your buddy and you knew you could call him on something and he wouldn't beat you senseless... right? And you're just in a conversation and, and, and you overhear him, someone say to him, hey, have you ever made a hole in one? And you hear him say, yes, I have. Let me just change this. If Bubba is it because Joe, J.J. White is just skewing this. If you and Bubba are hanging out and Bubba had no, made a hole in one on a par three and you hear him say to someone, yeah, I've made a hole in one in my life. Would you jump in and say, but it was on a par three? Would you throw the caveat, the asterisk in against his will? Yeah, I guess so. You so, would. You would. So yeah. that in and of itself acknowledges you're diminishing it. Yeah, maybe. You're setting it aside. Hembo, what's the right answer? It's a hole-in-one. You, you just said it yourself. With rare exception, par threes are the only holes in which you even have a chance to do this. It was a par three course. Hole-in-ones are par three. It's, it's, not, it's not like it was a miniature golf course. It was a par three. It's a par three on a real course or a par three. I don't understand what... Like, the distinction there, to me, doesn't make much of a well, difference. Well, they can be set up differently. That's why I'm trying to find out the details on the hole that he played. Some par threes, well, not all par threes are created equal. So, like, this could have been a wedge, for example. Oh, I think there's a very good chance it was. Like an 80-yard shot. You, but there are plenty of those. I mean, if you ace, if you ace uh, number seven at Pebble Beach, you have done it with a wedge, and it's going to be one of the five great moments of your life. If you ace the... Um, What's it called? The postage stamp hole at Troon, which would the dream. When I was there, my knees were shaking. I was so nervous at the possibility that that might happen. Like that's a moment that your entire life changes. You're hitting a, a, a sixty degree wedge on that. I hole. think if you made a hole in one on a par three course, if you chose to play, no, a par I wouldn't. Three course, I wouldn't say it was a hole in one. I would not. You would not. No, I wouldn't. If, if you ask me, have I ever made a hole in one? I would actually say I've done it on a par three course. 
That would be my answer. Right. I think it, that's the, you would say it that way. It would be yeah. very different than saying, I aced number three at Bayonne, which would be the greatest moment of my life. What is the number on the card? Number is one. So what difference does it make? It makes a difference. It's not like you're putting through a fan in, a, in an open-mouthed open rhinoceros. Like, no. This is, a, this is a golf course. I understand, but it's still not the same. All right, greeting with you on ESPN Radio. Who's the MVP of the NBA? If, if you had to vote right now, and I do, I have to vote, and we're getting towards the end of the season. Hembo, who's the right answer? I would vote for Jokic. I'm a proud fan of the Philadelphia 76ers, but Jokic is the best player and the most valuable player in the NBA. Okay. I don't think he's either of those things. He unquestionably isn't the best player in the NBA. He is the one, however, whom the advanced metrics, which is why it doesn't surprise me you say him, love the most. And his team has been at the top of the Western Conference standings essentially all year. Those are good arguments. But when you say that he's the best player in the NBA, if I gave you the option of starting a team right now with any player in the NBA, you would take him? That's not the question. Yes, it is. Why would you not start it with the best player in the NBA? The question you asked me was, who's the MVP? I asked you, I asked you who's the best player in the NBA. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. That's a different question than who deserves the MVP. No, I understand that. I understand those are two different questions. Which is a different question than who would you start a franchise with? Why? Why are those different questions? Why wouldn't you start a franchise with the best player? Well, because there's all sorts of other factors that could... Like? Like how old you are. He's not old. Right. But like, I would probably choose a younger player who? if I were... Who's younger? Who's younger than Jokic? Yeah. Many, many would, players. That you would consider in this conversation, starting a franchise with. Here's the best way to describe how I would stand on the MVP thing. Just, you haven't already given, but you're not answering the question I'm I asking. I told you, you Jokic is who I would vote for for MVP. Who would you start a franchise with? Right, what is Jokic, 27, 28? I would, start, I would start a franchise with Luka. Luka Doncic. Who doesn't play any defense at all. Neither does Jokic. Doesn't do anything but yell at the refs on every single play and has the kind of body that suggests he's not necessarily going to age that well. You're still all in on If I'm starting a franchise, which is a different question. You would, would start it with Yuka over, Luka over Jokic. Yes, and I would sooner start one with Giannis than Jokic, too. See, Giannis, to me, is the right answer. Giannis is the most valuable player of the NBA this year. I agree. But you just said Jokic. No, hey, I'm what, repeating what? what you said. Yes. See, I think that Giannis is the second or third best player. Jokic, for a season. I'm Gian- very confused. Giannis... For a series, Embiid for a game. This is, but this is a regular season award, and Jokic, by the end of the season, will have produced more value, however you choose to quantify or qualify that, than any player in the NBA. All right, we have to continue talking about this, and we will in a minute. We'll get the rest of the hashtag crew's opinions in on it. And then very significant message. Do not... Fill out your bracket until you hear what we have coming up next. Hembo has put together the rules by which you must live if you want any chance of winning your pool. This is ESPN Radio. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. 
Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. Chris Russo trying to say Diana's name. Now, I just heard the report from Chris a couple seconds ago from uh, Diane Ruccini, uh, how you pronounce her last name, who said Atlanta is not going to be in the mix for this. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Ruccini. Uh, <laughs> That's a dish, right? <laughs> you got both names wrong. Oh, my God, that is. She got both her names wrong. It's not Diane, and it's definitely not Ruccini. <laughs> Oh, he's so fabulous. That is so good. Should we start calling her Diane Ruccini now? <laughs> I think we have to. This is Greeny. Having a lot of fun here as we wait for big news. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We have some more news. Shefty has just tweeted with the Jets closing in on a deal for wide receiver Alan Lazard. Another wide receiver expected to be on their radar in the coming days of free agency is Packers veteran Randall Cobb. Per league sources, you don't have to be a freaking Sherlock Holmes to figure out what's going on here. I mean, even I can see what's happening, that the delay in the Rodgers thing has been him making clear to the Jets what some of the conditions. Let's just do the math. The Jets flew out there to meet with him last week. He has a pre-existing relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, who is now the offensive coordinator. The Jets, including the owner, flew out there last week. They talked. They got comfortable on both sides. The Jets made it clear they wanted him badly. He expressed whatever interest he expressed. He said, I'll get back to you quickly. What has probably happened in the interim, again, this is just me supposing, but it makes perfect sense, is that he has given them signals, this is what I want. If you want me to come play for the Jets, these are the things that I'm going to want. And when those things are in place, then he will make it official. And I think that is the biggest reason or one of the two biggest reasons for this delay. The biggest one is I think he likes it. I think Aaron likes being the center of all this conversation. I think he's got all of us on a string. He's got every NFL insider and analyst in the business twirling like, like they are on a string. He's got me and all the rest of the fans out there on at the edge of our seats, but you ask any Packer fan, they all know he's not coming back. And even I, as the most pessimistic person maybe walking the face of planet Earth at this point, am 99% convinced he's coming to the Jets. The last image of Aaron Rodgers as a Packer was with he and Randall Cobb with their arms around each other walking off the field after they lost to Detroit the last week of the season. They are boys, and they have been boys for many, many years. It is impossible for me to fathom 
that Ellen Lazard and now Randall Cobb could be signing with the Jets if Aaron Rodgers is not in tow. I will say this, too, that for all the fans out there, and I'm hearing from some of them who are my friends, saying Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb is a glorified coach on this team, okay? The Jets have an outstanding receiving core. Most notably, they have a rookie named, or he was a rookie last year named Garrett Wilson, who is going to become Devontae Adams. No one will benefit more from, from Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets than Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson becomes the number one. Alan Lazard becomes the number two. If Elijah Moore is still there, we'll see. Randall Cobb, remember, the Jets are learning a new offense. Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Nathaniel Hackett is bringing the same offense that Rodgers has been playing in. So has Lazard. So has Cobb. So these guys can all show up and teach the offense. Randall Cobb becomes a glorified coach. Anything he gives you on the field becomes secondary. He's there because, A, he's Aaron Rodgers' guy. B, he's helping you teach what you need taught. I'm not the least bit concerned. I'm not looking at that saying, ooh, the Jets think they're going to get enormous contribution from Randall Cobb. That's not what's happening. Right, and it's one thing for maybe the reporters or the teams not to know yet, but these are people with whom Aaron Rodgers has relationships and has had for many, many years. I'm 99% sure that they have been in communication throughout this process. It's hard to see otherwise. And Lazard. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So this is happening. It's just going to be a question of when I'm good with it. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable now with the timing of all of this. So we will see it through. And obviously, if and when there's any news, you're going to get it here immediately. Next, quickly before we do Hembo's tips, uh, Bubba, who's the MVP of the league right now if you had a vote in the NBA? Uh, I'm going to go with Embiid. Embiid. So that's one for Embiid. Hembo is voting for Jokic. Cam? Embiid, because I'm a homer. And I think I would I, – I have a vote, mm. and we will wait till we get to the end. I think I would vote for Giannis if I had to vote right now. I, I got to sit down and look at it closely. The number of games he has missed – would bother me a lot. I am going to factor that into my voting if there is a substantial difference between any of the players I'm considering. Jokic has played 60, Embiid has played 54, and Giannis has played 53. Is that enough of a gap to sway you? No, I, I don't know off the top of my head if they've played the same, the teams have played the same number of games. If they finish within five or six games played of each other, um, then I probably won't use that as criteria. Let's table this for a minute because I want to do your your tips. And I know we need plenty of time to do this. Let's jump in right now. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. All right, this unsolicited advice, Hembo's been working on for quite some time. These are 10 bracket strategies. It's our Boost Mobile Tournament Preview. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. So I'm going to give you 10 key strategies, and Hembo will explain them, right? That's how you put it together. I'm going to read the headline, and Hembo will then explain to you exactly what should and should not be done as you fill out your sheet of integrity. Here we go. Number one. Advance one team from the first four to the round of 32, meaning one of these teams playing Tuesday or Wednesday is going to wind up winning another game. And that's because the first four began in 2011, and with the exception of 2019, Greeny, exactly one team that played in the first four advanced to the round of 32 or later in every year. So you're going to want to take one of these teams. I think Pittsburgh is one that a lot of people are eyeing right now that's playing in that first four, but give one of those teams... 
another win. Number two. Do not predict 16 over a one. One seeds are 147 and one all-time against 16 seeds. We know that lone loss came in 2018, UMBC over Virginia. The average margin of victory in those games, 25 points for the one seed. That is not an upset you want to pick, but... Number three. Give me one you absolutely do want to take at least once. 12 over five. Greeny, since the tournament expanded to 64 teams in 1985, there have been 53 12 over five upsets. That's an average of one and a half per year. Historically speaking, it is three times likelier that there will be multiple 12-5 upsets than no 12-5 upsets. So take a 12. I should have had my sheet in front of me here to do this, but we'll go through some of the teams that we're talking about as we continue. But don't take a 1. Don't even think about taking a 16 over a 1, but definitely take at least one 12 over a 5. Number 4. Uh, eliminate at least one number 2 seed. Before the Sweet 16, go. Two seeds are soft historically. They advance to the second weekend of the tournament at a considerably lower rate than one seeds do. Seeding began in 1979, and since then, all four two seeds have reached the Sweet 16 in only six of 43 years. So give me that again. The the two seeds got to go out that... Do it one more time. Sure. All four two seeds have reached the Sweet 16 only six out of 43 three years, meaning at least one two seed has been eliminated in the first weekend 37 of 43 times. So that's Texas, UCLA, Marquette, and Arizona. Mm. Those are the two seeds. And I've now pulled up my bracket, which I should have had already. We can go through some of the other notes that you gave. Again, these are Hembo's 10 things you absolutely need to know before you fill out your Sheet of integrity. Number five. Advance at least one double-digit seed to the Sweet 16. Yeah, since 1979, a double-digit seed, 10 or lower, has advanced to the Sweet 16 in 39 of 43 years, including, Greeny, each of the last 14. So I'm looking at, there's no way for me to identify who those are, because it's obviously so many teams, but I will say... You're saying double, so Penn State would count. Penn State would count. I love Penn State. Penn State comes roaring into this NCAA tournament, having played really well and looked really good in their Big Ten tournament run. They almost beat Purdue and won the Big Ten championship. Number six. Again, it's Hembo's top ten things you need to know before filling out your bracket sheet. Advance at least one team seated five or lower to the Elite Eight, and by lower, you mean worse. Higher number, yeah. Since 1979, at least one team seated fifth or lower, fifth or a higher number again, has advanced to the Elite Eight in 40 of 43 years. So among the final eight teams in your bracket, make sure at least one of them has a five or higher number attached to it. Okay, I've got at least one of those on mine, and I'm contemplating a second. Mm. Number seven. Do not advance a double-digit seed to the final four. Don't even think about it. Since 1979, there have been 1,163 teams to play a tournament game seeded 10 or lower. Only six of those 1,163 teams reached the final four. It happens far too infrequently to predict it. So you're saying... I want to pause on that one. You're saying that six double-digit seeds have made the Final Four since they went to seeding. In 1979. Yeah, that's when they expanded it to 64 teams. I'm just off the top of my head thinking if I can remember them all. George Mason would have been one of them. 
I remember LSU getting there one year. That would be one of them. Uh, VCU from first four to final. Oh, they four. went from the first four. Mm-hmm. So that's three of them right there. Because I'm I'm thinking of putting Penn State in there. I've got my oh, Midwest. Interesting. I got my Midwest bracket busted beyond recognition. I can't put anyone. I don't like anyone in that bracket to make it to the final four. So I was contemplating mm. putting Penn State there. But now, once again, I got to go with Hembo's tips. Number eight. Ten things you need to know before you fill out your bracket. Advance no more than two teams from the same conference to the final four. Don't fall in love with a, with just one conference. Since 1979, only once has a conference sent three teams I know what it to was. the final four. What so was it was everybody. It was 80. It was, uh, it was, it was Patrick. It was... Georgetown, St. John's, and Villanova. It was the year that Villanova beat Georgetown with the perfect game. So that was 85. 85. And that is the only time that it has ever happened since they, uh, since they began seeding in 1979. The only time that three teams from the same conference. But two you're good with. All, happens all the time. It's happened 24 times. But three times, it's only happened once. Okay. Number nine. Again, the great notes from Hembo. Pick a one seed to win the national championship. Don't overthink this one. Since 1979, 26 of the 43 national champions were one seed. In other words, it is far likelier that a one seed will win the title than two through 16 combined. 26 of 43. More than half of them have been won by teams that were one seeds. All right, I've got that covered. Number 10. But don't make it Kansas. Kansas, the reigning national champion, Greeny, has history working against it. So UCLA won seven consecutive national titles from 67 to 73. But since then, since 73... We've had only two repeat title winners. It was Duke in 91 and 92, and Florida in 2006 and 07. We know the Jayhawks are going to be a popular pick, but they are most definitely swimming upstream historically. All right, and those are Hembo's 10 um, picks uh, or tips that you need. I really like that. I think that was really well done. Let's do it again tomorrow early in the show. For the, I'm sure there are a lot of people who listen to one hour or the other more regularly. I really like those tips there. The one about Kansas... How does one account for randomness, which is to say not all the players are the same. Like this is not the NBA, especially now more than ever. So many people like like Dan Graziano keeps bringing up. I know that this is not apples to apples, but never stops bringing up on the TV show. The fact that no one has won the NFC East in consecutive years for 18 or 19 years and that that. He always talks about it like that is a predictor. And I keep thinking to myself, what is that predicting? Like, that's purely random. Uh, There's nothing about that that says to me that the Eagles aren't going to win the NFC East next year. And in the same way, if Kansas is the best team, which they're clearly one of the few best, you know, they're they're the number three overall seed in this. They're a one seed. Most of the guys that I was watching on Selection Sunday felt they should have been the number two overall seed. What does last year have to do with it? Nothing. But you said it best yesterday. This is the worst way to decide the best team. Right. So if, even if Kansas is indeed the best team, they have to win six consecutive games. And what, has, what's, what the last 50 years say is that winning back-to-back national championships is darn near impossible. Just too lucky. Too like, lucky. It, you're trying to flip a coin and have it come up head six times in a row. Mm-hmm. You can't do it 12 times in a row. And because there's so much player turnover now, it's obviously much more difficult for coaches to be able to run it back because 
I mean, in the case of Duke and Florida, the two most recent examples, there was a lot of carryover on those two teams. All right, there you go. So there, as you fill out your sheets of integrity, you do it on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. Um, we are in the ESPN radio pool. I put my sheet in there today. I'm making sure I don't want to make any last-minute changes, but as always, there will only be one sheet of integrity. Thanks for everybody calling in about the book. We really appreciate that, and everybody who's ordered it, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Anthgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.